All of you to praise God. What a tremendous privilege to uh, share with you uh, this evening. Um, I pray and trust that uh, the Holy Spirit of God will minister to our hearts. I'm not going to talk about two and three. For a kiss in my heart, I will talk a lot about the Gotaha. Amen. I'm going to talk a lot about my hand of Nangaros. I'll be here in Bokini. What a tremendous uh, opportunity uh, to share the Word of God. And I understand it is a privilege for anyone to uh, have the opportunity to share the Word of God. Um, at the same time, uh, I uh, embrace that privilege to share His Word. Uh, but I also am aware that I have a responsibility before God to preach his word uh, as he wanted me to do so, because at the end of the day, I am going to be accountable to him. And that goes for, for any of us who has the privilege to preach the word of God. It is a privilege. At the same time, it is an enormous responsibility uh, none of us, or I can say this for myself, have the, you know, the, the, the right to, to make any claim to the Word of God. And I pray and trust that we will humbly accept the responsibility of preaching His Word and also the privilege of embracing and receiving His Word. Please, we're going to look at those passages of Scripture that was read to us in the New Testament was Luke 23. One of the things that I believe very strongly in I strongly believe with all my heart that when God wants to speak to us, He's not only uh, using an audible voice, even though that, that is a biblical truth that God speaks to different people in an audible voice, but God also uses means of helping us not only to hear His Word, but to see His Word uh, at the same time know uh, that if we are going to remember his word, we need to not only hear it, but also see it demonstrated. And I strongly uh, believe in that. And I pray and trust that um, tonight you'll not only be able to hear my voice, uh, and it's okay if you forget who is the speaker, but I pray and trust that you'll be able to remember the word of God. And it's, I, that's one of the reasons why I put it up on the on the screen. That's the, that's the theme and that's the title that uh, we want to hang everything that uh, I'm going to say tonight from the Word of God. It's just simply Jesus. And uh, just as a byline or the bottom line, uh, able to say, Luke 23, uh, to, from verse 33 to verse 43 is where we will base specifically uh, the message tonight. But I would like you to please uh, go back, if you may, to the book of Daniel that was read to us a few minutes ago, verses 16 and uh, to 18. Uh, it is a story that is familiar to us. It's a story of the three young men who stood before King Nebuchadnezzar, refused to bow down to his idol, and they were threatened. Um, and in fact, Nebuchadnezzar heated, ordered the fire to be heated, uh, seven times more than previously. Uh, and then uh, also with his, with his threats, 
to these three young men, Cedric, Mitrek, and Abednego, said to them, if you don't bow down, then I'm going to throw you in, into a fiery furnace, which is uh, really hot by this time. As the scripture says, it was heated up seven times more. But if you, if you uh, look carefully uh, at those three verses, because that's where the title comes from, uh, it comes from uh, those, the words of those three young men. Um, it, and I'll read it again. Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into a blazing furnace, here's the part that I want us to uh, remember. The God we serve is able to save us from it. I'll say that again. The God we serve is able to save us from it. That's where the byline of the title uh, come from in terms of the word of God. But they went on to say something that I believe it's worth mentioning. Uh, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But here's verse 18 that uh, sometimes we uh, don't look at uh, as, as important, but I believe it's very, very important. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Uh, many a times we pray for God to heal. We pray for God to save. We pray for God to do amazing things. But if God doesn't, what happened? If God decided not to save your father, if God decided not to heal your parents, not to heal your sick uh, child or whatever the case may be, what happened? Uh, and that's an important question because it's very easy to follow the Lord and, and be excited about Jesus when you see that God is doing tremendous things. And no doubt about that, brothers and sisters, God is doing some amazing stuff, saving people, healing people, miraculous stuff. But there are times that God will use cases like Stephen. He was stoned to death. People also in the New Testament church were burned at stake. They were murdered. They were imprisoned. What happened if that is the case? Will we say, O king, that we will still not bow down to your idol? Now let me shift all of that in terms of the title to look at Luke chapter 23 and how the two connect, of course, is more than just the byline for the title tonight. So I want us to please consider this carefully. Um, this was the weakest point in the life of Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure whether you realize that, but this was the weakest point from a human viewpoint. From a human viewpoint, this is the weakest point in the life of Jesus Christ. Please bear in mind that this is the man who opened the eyes of the blind. This is the same Jesus who raised the dead to life. This is the same Jesus who calmed the sea. This is the same Jesus who you know, opened the eyes of blind Bartimaeus. It is the same Christ. And yet we come to this point of his life as a human being. He allowed those Roman soldiers to crucify him. He allowed his own people to reject him. He allowed all of that, all, all of that to happen. He never retaliated once in terms of what happened. But the thing that really stood out for me in terms of all of that is that he remained focused 
on why he was here on earth. He never loses his focus. Jesus came for a reason. He came for a purpose. And I believe strongly that that purpose is not, even though these things that I mentioned to you, they are legitimate, but that's not the key reason why Jesus came. I really believe that he came because I was lost. He came because you were lost. In Luke 19.10, the Bible says that he came to seek, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, we can compose songs about Jesus. We can have movies about Jesus. We can write books about Jesus. But that's not the reason why Jesus came. The reason why Jesus came is because you're lost. It's because I'm lost. And we need to accept the fact that that's the reason why he came. And, the, and, and Dr. Luke recorded that in chapter 19 and verse 10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, let me park that for a moment. And I'm going to come back to it. Because there were two other people who were crucified with Christ at that particular event at, at, at a place called Golgotha. Now, I've had the privilege to stand underneath that place where they called Golgotha. Um, now, it's, 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 a, it's, it's an interesting place to be, to say the least, but it's absolute, also absolutely important. Now, here were two other people, the Bible says in the reading tonight in Luke chapter 23, the Bible says that there were two other criminals. Now, I don't know why Dr. Luke didn't mention their names. I'm not too sure why, but they call, Luke called them criminals. So I'm going to take some liberty, and I hope that the theologians in this meeting tonight will not shoot me afterwards for taking a little bit of the liberty to say criminal number one and criminal number two, because there are no names for these people. So hear this, and, 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 and the reason why I spoke about them. Criminal number one is a little bit of a pragmatist. Now, that's a big word for a new way, huh? But what is a pragmatist? A pragmatist is someone who says, if it feels good, do it. Don't worry about that. If it feels good, just do it. The, the reading tonight that our young people, that our, uh, our readers brought to us, one of the criminals looked at Jesus and he said, if thou art the Christ, save yourself and us. That's exactly what the pragmatist would do. He doesn't worry about the morals. He doesn't want to come down from the cross, go back to status quo, and live life and sin and continue on as a criminal. He's a pragmatist. But criminal number two, it's very unpredictable. I know that because of this. Now, let me ask you a question. Who brought God into the conversation? Who brought God into the conversation between Jesus and these two thieves. It wasn't Jesus. It was a thief. It was a criminal. It was him who said, don't you fear God. Now, let me just throw in an application that perhaps, uh, you know, might challenge you. You see, many, many people today, they live their lives 
and God does not even exist on the list of priorities of their lives. But the moment, the moment that the wheels of their lives begin to fall apart, all of a sudden they blame God or they say, God, why me? Now, I'm not too sure whether you have relatives and friends like that, but I do. Even your friends and, and relatives may be angels and they are holy. But I have some of them, you know, everything is going well and, and they don't even bother about God. Now, let me give you a little example. You know that all of us know that there was a hurricane one time that wiped out the, the, the coastal side of Alofi Tuhukia, the hospital or the old hospital, of course. Now, it's very interesting. And I was talking to my mom about this. And she said, it was interesting that before the hurricane happened, uh, you know, our church in Avaseli, but soon as the hurricane finished, just about, the, and, and my mother said, just about the whole village turned up, including their dogs turned up to church. Why? Because they remember God in the times of crisis. I wonder today how many people during COVID-19 knows how to pray. All of a sudden, they realize we're limited in what we can do as human beings. We can't, we, we haven't even found the vaccine for this. We don't know how to treat it. We don't know where it comes from, even though there are so many stories about it. But the reality is it exposes us and our weaknesses. And all of a sudden, some people remember God. This man, at the point of his death, at the point of his death, all of a sudden, he said to his mate, don't you fear God? Are you one of those people that life goes smoothly and you never bother about stopping to consider God? But the moment the wheels of your life begin to fall apart, all of a sudden you stop and say, well, God, why me? Why me? Let's, let's move on. Now, there are two parts to this event. And let me quickly uh, uh, highlight both of them. Number one, uh, it speaks about the three very simple recognitions from the criminal based on those words that was read to us. And I'm going to highlight them as we go along. So we're going to look at three very simple recognitions from the criminal's part. This is the, the one who says, don't you fear God. Then we're going to look at, I believe, which is absolutely beautiful, three simple responses from Jesus Christ. You know, I don't want to bring any deep theological argument about this. I just want to state what the scripture says, and I pray and trust that you, it will it'll challenge you and make, and I'm going to make an application, an invitation to you later on. So three very simple recognitions from the criminal and three very simple responses from Jesus Christ. So here's the first one in terms of the recognition from the criminal who said to his friend, you know, don't you fear God for we are getting what we deserve. So number one, in verse 41, here's the first one. The first one was he recognized the problem. He recognized the problem. And what does the Bible say in verse 41? The Bible says from verse 40, but the other criminal rebuked him. He said, don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence. Look at the question that he asked. Since we're under the same sentence, he recognized that he said, he, you know, he, he's there because he's a criminal. He committed a crime he deserved to be punished. 
Verse 41, we are punished justly for what we are getting, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. You see, he first recognized the problem. Brothers and sisters, my friends who are listening tonight and watching this, we have a problem. And the problem is that you and I are separated from God because of our sins. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned. It doesn't say for some. It says for all. All of us have sinned. And that's our problem. All of you or most of you know that I travel a lot. But during this COVID-19, that has been stopped. But everywhere I go, whether it be the United States or Africa, whether it be Eurasia or the South Pacific, whether it be New Zealand or Australia, we have the same problem. The world is, is, is going through the same problem. And the problem is that we have sinned against God. We have violated the commandment of God. And that's what the Bible says. In Romans 6.23, Paul says, you know, for the wages of sin is death. It's not a slap on the hand. It is death. It is total separation for you and I from God for all eternity. My friends, that's serious stuff. And I pray and trust that you realize that. So we have a problem. And the Bible says in Ezekiel that the soul that sinneth shall surely die. Absolutely important. So he recognized the problem. He said, you know, it is our crime that put us here. But this man is totally innocent. He has no crime. He commits no sin. Secondly, he recognized there's a need for justice. If you look at verse 42, this is verse 41 also. We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. I wonder whether you and I realize this, that God has every right to send me to hell and to send all of us to hell. You know why? Because we have sinned against him. We have violated his command. There is a need for justice. And I'll tell you something, the only way that that justice can be met, the only way is for Jesus Christ to sacrifice his life on the cross. If it wasn't for that, brothers and sisters, you and I will be absolutely at the mercies of God and under the judgment of God. The reason is because of what Christ has done, what Christ Jesus has done, the justice of God has been met. Many of us, and this is a very quick illustration. There was a, a sportsman in the United States some years ago, of course, who was you know, stood trial simply because you know, he was accused of murdering his wife. You know, the end of that case, uh, he was found not guilty. It was very interesting to watch the interviews of the people who were watching and following that case. But one thing, one thing that I noticed was an interview with a man called Larry King on CNN. And when Larry King asked one of his legal aides or legal advice or, or, or one of his, the lawyers who was standing for this man, you know, Larry King said, you, you know, we, we know that there are evidence against your client, but he was innocent. He was, you know, set free. How did you people do it? 
and let me quote to you, and I still remember this. Let me quote to you what was said by his lawyer. He said, because our argument was good, we won the case. You see, it was because of a technicality he was set free. But at the judgment of God, there's no such thing as technicality, my friends. At the day of judgment, there's no such thing as because your argument was good, God will let you in. God is going to bring justice because he's a just God. He's holy. He's powerful. We need to see that side of God, of course. So there is a need for justice. One, there's a need for the, he, he, he recognized his problem. Two, there's a need for justice. And number three, and this is what I like. He recognized that the answer was right next to him. The answer was not far away. My friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, the answer was right next to him. Verse 42, the Bible says this. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He doesn't have to look very far. Right next to him was the solution for him on this side of eternity and also the other side of eternity. And you know what he did? He prayed a non-religious prayer. Now, I don't want to say this tonight to go against the very, very amazing prayer that Leron has prayed before. But I tell you what, this guy never know any of those fancy words. He doesn't even dress his words. He just say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, look at that prayer and see whether there's any nice theological words that, that go together with it. He didn't. He never dressed up his words. He just looked at this man. He knew that this is the solution for eternity for him. And he just prayed the prayer and said, Lord, remember me. You know, I like to pray also. And my wife can tell you that sometimes I pray longer, so I'm guilty of that. There was a dear brother one time that came to our, our office and, and prayed with us. And we were heading to a school program. This is an OAC ministry. And uh, he started praying, you know, when I look at the clock, he started praying, which is approximately, you know, um, nine o'clock. We're heading to a school, of course. And then quarter past nine, he's still going. Half past nine, he's still going. Quarter to 10, he said, amen. So I said, also, amen. He said, and I said, let's go. We need to get to the school. He said, oh, you're not going to pray. I said, no. He asked me, why are you not going to pray? He said, well, brother, you have covered everything. Number two, God is not deaf that I have to repeat the whole thing again. You see, the fact is this. This guy didn't look at, he just had a simple prayer, and he just simply said, Lord, remember me. Why? Because next to him is the one that he knew who loved him, who died for him, who was innocent. His name is Jesus Christ. I want to say tonight that the answer for the, for, the, for the struggles, the answer for the problem of sin is Jesus. The answer for healing is Jesus. The answer for the whole church is Jesus. The answer for this whole COVID-19 is Jesus. And I know that. Why? Because he has the power to do it. If he can open the eyes of the blind, COVID-19 is not a problem to Jesus Christ. If he calmed the storm, you know, and raise Lazarus from the dead. COVID-19 is not a problem for Jesus. Friends, Jesus Christ is the answer to the problem of our sins. Let me finish off then by summing all of this up. 
with the response of Jesus Christ. What was his response? And I really like this very much. Number one, Jesus Christ received him. He received this man. Please, please bear this in mind. He has been rejected by his own people as a criminal. He's been punished and rejected by the Romans. They hated him. Society rejected him, perhaps. But Jesus Christ embraced him and received him. Because Jesus Christ, look at the two men. Jesus never answered the other criminal, but he answered this man who reached out to him and said, Lord, remember me. When the prodigal son came home, my friends, tonight, his father, and I say to the Tuvaluans today, just as well, it's not a Polynesian father or a Niwayan father. If the son come home and he's a Niwayan father, he'll get the stick, he'll get the broom, wait and say, I'm going to give you a hiding, then I'm going to have a shower, I'm going to talk to you afterwards. This is a loving father. The son has wasted all his wealth or half of his wealth, now came home, and you know what he did? He put his arms around him and hugged him. Remember, he came from the pig side. So he must have smelled like a pig, and yet the father never bothered about that. You see, it doesn't matter how ugly and how terrible your sins can be. Jesus Christ is ready to embrace you tonight. He's ready to receive you. He's ready to say to you, welcome home, my daughter. Welcome home, my son. Jesus received this man. He's a criminal. He's got a record. But Jesus received him. Number two, if you go back to verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. You know, forgiveness is an amazing privilege, brothers and sisters. It is so good to live a free life. Why? Because you and I have been forgiven. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 36, if the Son of Man sets you free, you shall be freed indeed. You see, when you and I are forgiven, it is such a relief to know that you and I have been set free by the blood and by the grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus forgave him. Now, when I go back to verse 34, I just want to throw in something very quickly here. I thought a lot about this the other day. You see, brothers and sisters, Jesus said to his father, when he looked at the crowd who jeered him, who mocked him, who rejected him, who punished him, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Do you know that Jesus Christ could have easily said to his father, Father, wipe the whole lot of them out. Clean them out. Destroy them and we can recreate the world all over again. It is not a problem for Jesus to do that. But you know what I believe that stopped him from going through that? It's because of his compassion. And this is what it's all about. He forgave the criminal because of his compassion. He can forgive you tonight because of his compassion for you. And that's an amazing privilege that you and I have tonight. And finally, this is at verse 43. Verse 43, what was the, the answer that Jesus gave him? Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Wow. Do you mean to tell me that this is a man who was a criminal, punished for his crimes, reached out to Jesus and prayed a non-religious prayer, said, Lord, remember me, and Jesus answered? That sounds absolutely crazy, but it's true. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. When Jesus said the words, I tell you the truth, ladies and gentlemen, let me say this to us. He is speaking the truth. And the truth is, 
He said, you will be with me in paradise. Wow, what an amazing truth that is. And I wonder if you are going to put, if we are going to put ourselves in the shoes of this man, how would you feel when you hear those words after you pray a prayer that perhaps is only five words long, or perhaps a prayer that is less than five words or more than five words, and you hear the words of the one that you ask say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I tell you something, it, it will be absolutely worth the opportunity just to humbly say we deserve what we get and ask Jesus, Lord, remember me. Here is a verse that I like to finish off with. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, the scripture says the thief came to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the end. Two quick stories, and then I pray. The first one, many years ago, I was with our team, our former national director in the open air in Queen Street. We were using those days the caravan. There were four young people who came into the open air meeting. Our national director was talking to them, and because I was new in the ministry, I just listened and, and, and learned from him. But he urged them, after hearing the gospel message, he urged them to come to Christ. Urged them to come to Christ. The one, one of them says, we are too young for that stuff right now. We are too young for that stuff right now. On Sunday morning, because this was a Saturday night, on Sunday morning, our former national director received, uh, picked up the, news, uh, the, the newspaper that was delivered to their home, which is the New Zealand Herald. And right in front, the front page was this car that was coming up Newton Road to K Road, the, the, the connection with K Road and North, um, Great North Road, that airborne, the car airborne, and there were trees at that time who were planted along the road uh, of Ponsonby Road. And that car hit one of those trees and just broke into pieces and killed instantly the four young men that were in the car. Now, the reason why I tell you this story, because our national director was contacted because they found in their pockets the booklets called Steps to Peace with God, written by Billy Graham. Now, I don't know whether these young people from the time they left the open air until the time of the accident would have made any peace with God or not. But if they don't, I want to say this on the authority of God's word. And I say graciously and, and with, with respect to all of us. They are, if they don't put their life right with God, they are lost. Last story. I was involved with the Billy Graham School of Evangelism in Tonga. At night, there were crusade meetings. The main speaker of those crusade meetings was Dr. Cumble from India that both Lisa and I have had the opportunity to work with. One night, the crown prince, his name is Tupolhake, his wife's name is Kaimana, they came they responded to the invitation. They gave their lives to Christ. And I had the amazing privilege of leading them to Christ. And you know that in Tonga, they separate the royals from the common people. So I had the privilege to be in that royal room, talking to them, counseling them, and I had the privilege of leading them in prayer. Then I continued to have a remote follow-up with these two 
people and they continue to grow in Christ. But one day on their way here to go to America as part of their uh, 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 royal duties as prince and princess, of course, uh, they stopped here, you know, I managed to text them and they fly out of here, of course, into California. Two days, uh, I received a message from one of their cousins here to say that uh, Tupelhake and Kaimana was involved in a car accident in California and they lost both of their lives. You see, I have certain assurance in my heart based on what Jesus Christ said to this man that Kaimana and Tupelhake are now in the presence of Jesus Christ because they have put their faith and trust in him. You see, Jesus said to this man, today you will be with me in paradise. I wonder for all of us here tonight whether you will hear those words when Jesus said you will be with me in paradise or will you hear the words that say, depart from me for I never know you. Now that's sobering, that's sad, that's difficult even to say, but I believe it's important for me to be honest with you and share that. The choice then is for you to do what this man on the cross says, Lord, remember me. I pray that you'll do that tonight. And Brother Falcon might give an invitation, but my invitation to you is this. Just reach out to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord Jesus, remember me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people who have tuned in tonight. Continue to, 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 to cover the seed of your word in all of our lives and help us to please respond in accordance to the prompt of the Holy Spirit and not just to wait or procrastinate because we are too young or perhaps we think that we have time. Lord, help us to get our lives right with you tonight because tomorrow we have no control of that. Thank you for this service. Thank you for everyone. Thank you for the ministry of NEM. And we pray that many, many more people will come to know Christ through these services. For your glory, we pray these things. Amen. Amen.